We're delighted to uh, gather together and to worship uh, with you today. So glad that you're able to uh, be gathered with us and uh, worship Jesus together. I want to wish you a happy Thanksgiving on behalf of the church family, and we trust that you had a wonderful uh, weekend and got to celebrate in a variety of different ways. Uh, I know we did, and we enjoyed a little bit of time just to breathe easily and enjoy some family and everything else. Uh, Today, we are beginning the Advent season And so that's a little bit hard to believe in some ways, but Advent season is upon us. We've already lit the candle that represents uh, hope today. Uh, We've got the hanging of the green service tonight, which if you heard about in our announcements, for those of you who are coming in a little bit late, 6 o'clock tonight, special uh, service for the hanging of the greens. We hope that you'll be able to join us for that. And I also want to draw your attention to this devotional, which is put out through our denomination, Christian and Missionary Alliance. Uh, It's an Advent devotional called Love is Here, and uh, we've got some print copies of this at the info desk if you would like to pick one up, and we've got it also on digital format uh, in your inbox and on our church website. And so that's just something that you can track with uh, along as we go into a new series that we are entitling Advent, A Season of Preparation. And what I'd like to do today, if you guys in the media room can just hold off on the uh, scripture for a second, we'll get to that in just a moment, Uh, but let me give you just a little bit of an overview of the spirit behind where we want to go uh, in the series, lest you get to the end of this message and say like, yeah, but where were the angels and the wise men? Like, you didn't even go there, because we're not uh, going there. I want to lean into this idea of preparation with you. So here's, here's sort of the bottom line. You probably would agree that we put time and energy and thought into the things that are important to us, right? So many of you, you had family gatherings over this last weekend. Many of you are in the process of doing things like Christmas shopping. Does anybody have Christmas shopping done at this point? Shame on you, but I love it. Awesome. Wow. How do you do that? Uh, various phases, right? But you're putting thought into that. Some putting a lot of thought into it. Well done, Ryan. I'm not shaming you publicly. Uh, let, me, let me honor you publicly. Um, things like, like holiday gatherings, Christmas eating, uh, things like the Christmas Eve service. That's kind of a big deal. So our staff's been working hard for several weeks trying to get details together and all of these different pieces because these things don't just come together on their own, right? And things that are important rarely do. But usually with some intentional effort and some hard work and some thoughtful preparation, we get to the place, at least close to the place, where we desire to be. Well, Advent is a season of preparation. And the series that we're going into is simply called Advent, a series of preparation. I believe God is calling us to check our hearts and to check our lives in this season. And I'll maybe sum it up for you this way. Wouldn't it be sad if you got to the end of another kind of busy season of your life and you check all the boxes and you do all the right things and you get all of the meals together and all the gatherings and everything, but you've missed out on the work that God wanted to do inside of you. In other words, you focused on all of these good but not eternal things, but maybe have missed out on the things of eternity and the things of greater importance. That's kind of the the spirit. We don't want to just hit the important but not ultimate things in life. We want the deeper things of God that he wants to refine in us. So in the spirit of that question, what are those deeper things? Um, I was moved by this theme of preparation. How does God want me to be prepared? How does God want you to be prepared? How does God want my family to be prepared? How does God want our church to be better prepared? 
And with those kind of things on my heart, I attended a gathering with Amy uh, with the College of Prayer. This is back in September. Um, and uh, they were talking about this phrase. They kept talking about the ways in which the church can be ready. And so if you have actually the slide that has the repentance ready, revival ready, harvest ready, return ready, and I started thinking about these things, and I sensed the Spirit of God say, that is your Advent series. If you are going to be pre preparing your heart in the hearts of your people, get prepared in these things. Like these are the things that matter to the heart of God. And while you could probably add to this list several other important things, this idea of a repentance-ready church and a, re a revival-ready church, a harvest-ready church, and a return-ready church, these resonate with the heart of God. Now, I also want you to think about this. Uh, we're going to start with repentance ready today. I find it kind of interesting. This is the one on this list that you actually have some say in. Because you know what? You don't control God's revival. You don't control his harvest. You don't control his return. You certainly can pray for all of those things. But repentance is one where he says, I'm ready when you're ready. You ready to move out of lukewarm? You ready to take a step forward? Here's some, here's some business that I want you to do. So each of our Advent series are gonna cover one of these areas of preparation, and I'm gonna make a guarantee. I'm gonna make you a guarantee today. My guarantee is this, that if you find yourself in a place where you've been a little lukewarm, you've been a little ambivalent, you're having a little bit of a hard time moving forward, if you lean into these things and allow the Holy Spirit of God to do what he wants to do, I guarantee you are not going to be lukewarm come Christmas. You're going to be experiencing God in some new ways. God has encounters for you and has encounters for us as a church. I don't know exactly what those are going to look like, but I guarantee you're not going to stay the same when you become repentance-ready, revival-ready, harvest-ready, and return-ready. So in that spirit, we're going to look at what does it mean to be a repentance-ready people today. And I want you to look in Revelation chapter 3. If you have your Bibles, flip over there. Revelation 3. We're going to read a really interesting, very powerful passage of Scripture. In Revelation 2 and 3, um, this is sort of the evaluation of the seven churches. And so you may be familiar with this. It would actually be a great sermon teaching series, though uh, we've never done that here that I know of. But in this evaluation of the seven churches, God is giving a unique description of Jesus and then a specific direction to that body of believers based on their situation. So they begin you know, to the church of Ephesus. You know, I see that you are, uh, you're, you're fervent in these kind of things, but you've forgotten your first love, and then all of them have kind of like, so what do you do? What do you do? Most of them are given the encouragement to repent. And so being a repentance-ready people seems to be a universal thing within the church of Christ. And I want to make the argument to you today that it absolutely is. In fact, it's a wonderful gift that we should not and must not ignore. Uh, so most of the churches receive commendation. Most of them receive a rebuke. All of them receive a solution, usually repentance, and a promise for overcomers. And here are the specific words for the church of Laodicea. That's what I want to read with you today, verses 15 and following. To the church of Laodicea, I know your deeds, that you are neither cold nor hot. I wish you were either one or the other. So because you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I am about to spit you out of my mouth. You say, I am rich. Listen to this. You say, I am rich. I have acquired wealth and do not need a thing. 
But you do not realize that you are wretched and pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. So I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire so that you can become rich, and white clothes to wear so that you can cover your shameful nakedness, and salve to put on your eyes so that you can see. Listen to this, verse 19. Those whom I love, I rebuke and discipline. So be earnest and repent. Here I am, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person and they with me. To the one who is victorious, I will give the right to sit with me on my throne, just as I was victorious and sat down with my father on his throne. Whoever has ears, let them hear what the Spirit says to the churches. So how's your heart today, and how do we get ourselves repentance ready? When I look at this passage, there's really only two points that I want to look at with you. Uh, we want to understand what the problem is, and it's not very difficult. And then we want to understand what the promise is that is given even to this sort of problematic gathering of people that, frankly, it's you and it's me. I mean, none of us are exempt from becoming lukewarm in our walk with Jesus. It's the old nature, spiritual entropy that gets us into that place, but once we understand the problem, we actually find, uh, I'm gonna hit you really hard with the bad news today, but I want you to see that there's incredibly good and hopeful news in this that is gonna get your heart ready and help you embrace what it is to be a repentance-ready person. So understanding the problem, it's not really hard to comprehend. I know your deeds, you're neither hot nor cold. And I wish, this is Jesus speaking, he says, I actually wish you were one or the other, but you're lukewarm, and I'm going to spit you out of my mouth. The problem is not that hard to comprehend. The church, when I say church, I'm talking about the big C church, is a global movement of redeemed people who have received the white hot work of Christ so that they are no longer cold and dead in their sin, but they are alive in the spirit of Christ. That same church has a global calling to change the world as God works in us and through us and sometimes despite us, but he's working in non-lukewarm people and spilling over to make an impact on this world for kingdom gain. And that's her mission. But the problem is that we have this tendency and interestingly, according to this passage, especially in times of affluence, especially in times of affluence and comfort, to become lukewarm in our commitment to Christ. And you know, I'm not going to fully define for you this is what lukewarm is and what lukewarm isn't. I am going to ask you today to do a little prayer engagement with the Holy Spirit to help Him uh, allow him to help you identify the places in your life that have become lukewarm. But I talk to Christians all the time who say the problem is I just don't feel like I have any passion for the Lord. I don't really have any zeal for his mission. I don't really feel like I'm, I'm connected to his heart. These are lukewarm uh, 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 things. My, my worship is, is sort of hitting the ceiling. My prayers aren't really going anywhere. This is the, the worship and prayer life of a lukewarm person. And it is not God's will for you. It isn't. You got really quiet. Maybe I just got really loud. It's not. God's got more for you. And yet what we're going to see in this, in this uh, passage 
is that he also has this incredible promise for the lukewarm church. He says, I'm standing on the door and I'm knocking on the door of the lukewarm church so that I can come in and let my presence be found there. So it is not a hopeless situation. So we cast off uh, hopelessness, we cast off guilt, we cast off shame, and we're gonna go after Jesus together and we're gonna ask God to help us be more prepared, specifically as a repentance-ready people. Okay, I wanna give two caveats before we lean into this a whole lot more. Uh, The one caveat is this. Uh, It would be a mistake to assume that lukewarm is the same as being introverted. It is not. There are some of you that are in this room, highly extroverted people. You're loud. You get up in front of a people. And and that does not necessarily mean you're not lukewarm. It just means you're better at disguising it than some other people. So let's not mistake the idea that just flamboyance and outward appearance means, well, look how on fire that person is for the Lord. Okay, in fact, I, I often say, like, it's the introverts, you know, that, that we need to lean on in a lot of ways. And I actually said this in the first service. Where are my introverts at? Give me a little shout out. That's what I thought. They're like, we're here. You know we're here. I'm not going to shout out. Where are my extroverts at? Well, you know, right. So just understanding that there is a difference between extroversion and spiritual zeal. Um, They may look similar in some ways, but you can be very extroverted, you can be very loud, you can be very flamboyant or whatever, but still have a struggle with a lukewarm heart. And you can be very reserved, you can be very quiet and still, but actually have a strong passion for the Lord. So let's just understand that. The second thing that I would just give as a caveat is this. Um, I do not assume that the pursuit of Christ Stepping out of lukewarm and and really passionately following him means that it is rarely, if ever, easy. In fact, I get a little bit of, I get a little suspicious of the people who every time, well, I just talked to God about this and he talks to me back and we just, you know, merry old time and everything's just easy. The fact of the matter is you may be in a season right now where you are pressing in, you are pursuing, you are listening and you are passionate, but you're not necessarily getting all of the direction because it's God's timetable and not yours. And that's okay, God can use those seasons. Uh, In fact, he he does things in those seasons that are different. Uh, But the silence of God, the absence of pursuit of God, the absence of worship of God, that's not God's best for us. So we want to lean in, understanding those couple of caveats. So the problem is, this tendency, especially in times of affluence and and comfort, is that we lose our spiritual edge. We lose our fervor. So the church in Laodicea, when they're being evaluated, is you know, you've become lukewarm. And there's a couple issues with this, sort of sub-problems with this. Number one is that we become lukewarm as as a people of God, and then we think that that's normal. We begin to assume sort of this self-deluded, like our eyes aren't seeing properly. And so he actually goes on to say, you need salve for your eyes so they can be opened and you can actually see what your spiritual condition is. Because what we see here is people that don't understand what the problem is. You say, I am rich. I've acquired great wealth. And listen, I do not need a thing. Wow. Wow. Now, we're, we're smart enough that we understand how those words would sound coming out of our mouth. So we wouldn't say it that directly, right? But it is easy 
to come into a place where we assume we've pretty much got things together. Got my life in order, got my finances in order, I'm taking care of myself, all that sort of, you know, I'm doing okay. I'm doing okay. And to the person who says, I'm doing okay, God says, you don't even realize where you are. You're wretched and pitiful, poor, blind, naked. Like, you, the, like and this is, this is the thing that strikes me. How sad it is when I get it wrong, and we all get it wrong at different times. How sad when I'm getting it wrong, and I think I'm getting it right. That's even doubly bad, right? You know, so I'm evaluating myself and assuming I'm doing fine, and God's evaluating me and saying, like, dude, you're a mess. You're a disaster. Lukewarm has never inspired anyone. Right? Make sense? Lukewarm has never changed the world. Lukewarm has never moved the needle. And I'm talking about in any area. You don't want lukewarm in your politicians. You don't want lukewarm in your football game or team. You don't want lukewarm in meaningful work. You don't want lukewarm in your family. And you don't want lukewarm in your church. You know, even, even those of us who are lukewarm don't want lukewarm. That's the crazy thing about it. So just follow with me for a second. When you have a politician who says, I, I know what the problems are in the world, and I know how we're going to get them fo- solved, uh, vote for me, and, and we're going to get this thing done. Or says, well, or, or don't vote for me, it doesn't matter. So where's this guy's passion? Where's her passion? Where's his passion? If you believe in this, then, then yeah, go, call me out. Call me forward. Lead me. Give me some passion. Show me that you're not lukewarm about it. How about the politician who's, who's actually saying one thing but then not even doing the thing that they would say that we'd all need to do, right? That we say, oh, they're hypocritical. Why do we hate that? We hate that because it's lukewarm. They're not actually doing the things that they have called us to do. Some of you watched a little football over the weekend. Nobody is inspired by somebody saying, we are going to win this game, or maybe we won't. You know what I mean? We're going, to do, we're going to do everything in our power or some of the things that are in our power. Maybe, maybe we just won't. You know what I mean? Nobody is moved forward by lukewarm. Some of you are looking right now for a career path that makes you feel like you're investing your life in something important. What are you crying out for? You said, I don't want to be lukewarm in my career path. I want to do something that matters. Many of us are saying that in our family. We want to see a family life that's, that's thriving. We want to see a, a marriage that's thriving. We want to see relationships with our kids that are thriving. We don't want to just go through the motions. And I'm convinced of this. Almost every one of us has experienced what it's like to be part of a lukewarm church. And oftentimes, it's the barrier that needs to be overcome so that you can get to a hot, real, dynamic relationship with Jesus Christ you got to get past the church. And that is not how God intended it. So he says to the church at Laodicea, you're missing it, and you've become lukewarm. Fred Hartley, who teaches on this better than I can, he's done a lot of teaching on Revelation chapter 3, and uh, he's, a, he's a mentor and a friend from College of Prayer. And uh, he, he goes so far as to say this, a lukewarm church is an insult to Christ. Anybody say amen to that today? Yeah. I'm telling you, there is good news in this message. Just hang in there. You're like, man, you're just beating us up. There's, there's great, it's not good news. There's great news uh, in this message coming up. I remember years ago, 
Amy and I were leading a trip. We were going to, to Peru, uh, 2003, long, long time ago now, almost 20 years. And we stepped into a season of work that God was doing that none of, nobody on our team had ever experienced before. It was, a, it was a season of revival that we were not even really ready for. We thought we were going to go help them, you know, so we're an American church and we're going to take care of people that have less than us. And so get on a plane and we go down there and we stepped into a revival that we didn't even really fully know how to process. We saw 500 people make commitments to Jesus in 10 days. How many of you have seen that recently? I hadn't seen that ever. I didn't even know that was a thing. You know, we saw people experiencing healing. We saw God working in, in all these kind of ways so that as we stepped away from it, we began to realize, wait a minute, we don't have the full picture of what God is doing or capable of doing. And every one of us, I think, to a person on that team said, we need to repent of our small view of God. Because for us, it had become normal. It was normal. We didn't expect God to work. We didn't expect God to move. Now, we would probably never go out so far as to say, I'm rich, I've acquired wealth, I don't need a thing. But in, in essence, we were kind of living that way. So it, it began to kindle in us a holy desperation for more of God. This morning, before we came out to start our services, we are praying in the side room. And we are praying specifically that you would encounter the presence of God in a spectacular way. Maybe today, maybe sometime during this series, maybe sometime when you least expect it. But it is hard to stay lukewarm when you are encountering the presence of God. And so we're praying for, for God encounters. We're praying for that humility to say, actually, I don't have everything. Apart from Christ, I don't have anything, which is scriptural, by the way. And I can't do anything which is scriptural, by the way. So I lean into his presence, and I ask for more of him. I begin to seek him. That's what it means to, to start to, to become out of, coming out of a lukewarm sort of spirit. Now, last little example. I'll just give this real quickly, and we'll move on to our second point. We just have two today. Um, last week, how many of you were with us? We were fin finishing up the Genesis series. We looked at Tower of Babel. Several of you were, were with us. So I found this kind of interesting. The Tower of Babel is essentially the spirit of that is we're going to make a name for ourselves. A name's going to be great. We're going to be self-reliant and all that kind of stuff. And God says no. Isn't it interesting you get, that was Genesis. We get, now we're in Revelation today. It's the same spirit of the spirit of Babel that says I'm rich, I've acquired great wealth, I don't need anything. I'm good. It's like we're still dealing with this spirit of humanity, but I guess I would say it this way, the spirit of Babel is alive and well in the lukewarm church, and I think that's why God is saying, no, we've got more for you than that, so that's understanding the problem, and I don't think there's anybody that is here today that would say, I'm really aiming for lukewarm, most of us are not, we struggle with it. We wrestle with it. My own heart becomes it's prone to wander, and I get, I, get into, I get into a bad spot or whatever. So that's, that's part of the reality. That we, but we're not, none of us are saying I'm aspiring to be lukewarm. So how do I kind of get out of that? Now, here's what I want you to see in receiving the promise. We talk about understanding the problem. Now, let, look at receiving the promise. And now we're going to finally get to what does this mean to be repentance ready. Verse 19. 
Those whom I love, I rebuke and discipline. Wow. I don't know how that hits your heart today. I suspect that there are some that are saying, like, I'm trying to process all of this kind of stuff, but maybe you're feeling sort of the lukewarmness of your own heart, and you realize, wait a minute, those whom God loves, he rebukes, and he disciplines. So the pain that you feel, of being like, I don't want to be lukewarm. That's actually the work of the Spirit today. And then what does he call you to? So be earnest and repent. Be earnest and repent. See, the discipline of God is a sign of his love, and so it opens up the door for a new kind of earnestness, a new kind of hunger, and the one thing that we can control in this list of repentance. Now here's a big promise. Honest assessment brings us to the gift of repentance. Repentance, what is repentance? Very simple. Repentance is the confession of sin, yes. It's the acknowledgement of shortcomings, yes. But I want you to see it this way. Repentance is the realignment of my heart with the heart of God. And if and when I get this part right, I'm actually becoming the joyful recipient of the daily grace of God. You see, the reason that repentance is painful, the reason that we kind of draw away from that, the reason that I didn't hear anybody say, woo, we're gonna be repentance ready. This sounds awesome. The reason it doesn't sound awesome is that we don't like to do it. And the reason that is painful is that we don't do it enough. Can anybody say amen to that? It's like you don't, you put off going to the dentist, and you put off going to the dentist, and then you go, and it's like you, you got a disaster in here right? Part of this joy of repentance is that we're actually invited into the daily grace of God. We don't wait until our lukewarm lives are hitting a crisis and then decide to look to Jesus. So I want to just give you this little challenge today. You know, a Holy Spirit challenge, if you were to ask the question honestly, where has my heart been lukewarm lately? If you were to take that seriously, I'm, I'm telling you, it's going to start moving your needle because God's going to begin to show you and everything that he shows you is an invitation to be repentant if you are repentance ready. It's an invitation. It's a realignment with his spirit. Now, if you answer that grid, so here's the question. It's very simple. How has my heart been lukewarm lately? That's the question. If you answer that question through the grid of guilt, you'll probably just keep tiring yourself out. You know, just more frenetic activity. I just gotta do stuff for Jesus. I gotta move. I gotta be, I gotta, that, that's how I'm gonna be uh, on task and not lukewarm as I'm gonna just do and go and everything. And there are times that what you actually need to do is rest. What you actually need is a, a, a good holy nap. You know what I mean? And just, just wait on the Lord. That's not, a, that's not a lack of fervency for Jesus when you say, hey, I just need to take some time and as I rest. But if you ask that question through the prayerful grid of the Holy Spirit, how has my heart been lukewarm? And if you trust his answer, you might be surprised at what he shows you. Some of you have been walking with Jesus for decades, but maybe you haven't asked the question, Lord, how's my heart been? How's my heart been? 
And then he begins to show you the places, and all of a sudden it's an invitation to be realigned with his heart. You may also find that simply asking the question is a step away from lukewarmth. I don't know if that's a word, but it's in my notes. Because the kind of person who would ask the question, where's my heart been lukewarm, is actually showing they desire not to be lukewarm anymore. So you might even find that simply asking the question might start to jar something loose in your spiritual life. And then I want to give you three things. God might give you ten more. Let me give you three things that you can repent of. What does it mean to be a repentance-ready church? It means we are choosing as the people of God to say, you know, when you show me where I need to do business with you, I'm doing that business. I'll give you three. Number one, I repent of my lukewarm expectations. That's huge. I'm the chief of sinners in this, by the way. You know, I mean, I just have, my, my expectations can be incredibly lukewarm. Not expecting much out of God. So I, I repent of that. You know, I mean, that's a, that is an act of the will to say I need to get my heart ready, and part of it is to be repentance ready. So I'm repenting of low expectations. Even in this prayer, I'm asking that God will actually show up and do some things. I've got some work he needs to do in my life. So I repent of lukewarm expectations. I repent of my lukewarm disciplines. Right, so my disciplines are lukewarm. I need divine help to get me back on the right track with my disciplines. One of the churches, I think it was Ephesus, the advice was you need to go back and do the things you did at first. Right? Some of us hear the Holy Spirit say, you just get back to the things that you used to do. That's all. Get back to that. Repent of my lukewarm disciplines. Uh, I repent of my lukewarm environment. The reason that I want to surround myself with faith-filled people is that when I surround myself with lukewarm people, I have more of a tendency to be lukewarm. Right, So be intentional about the people in your environment. That's why I love some of our staff members, some of them that are here today. I love Pastor Seth. We oftentimes will meet together. We'll be talking through with something, and then one of us will say, let's, let's just go after that in prayer. You know, I just want to pray for you right now. I love that. Why? Because that's the, that's the action of somebody who's saying, I don't want to be lukewarm. I want to trust God for bigger things. So I repent of my lukewarm environment. How has your heart been lukewarm? Maybe the Holy Spirit has something very specific to show you so that's a big promise honest assessment brings us to the gift of repentance but I want to give you a bigger promise the bigger promise is this while the lukewarm church is nauseating to Jesus I mean that's that is his assessment I would rather you be hot or cold I'm going to spit you out of my mouth I use the word expectorating in the first service I, I like that you know just just get rid of it get rid of this that is the response of Christ to a lukewarm church, which should, at the very baseline, cause us to say, let's not be that. Let's not do that. Let's not go there. While the lukewarm church is nauseating to Jesus, it is to the lukewarm church that Jesus brings this incredible promise. I'm knocking on the door and waiting for you to open it so that I can bring my presence in. Now, I just want you to think about how substantial that is. Almighty King of the universe, somebody after the first service said, I'm having a God encounter because I'm realizing how amazing it is that Almighty God of the universe wants to come into my life. He cares about being with me. Okay, that's awesome. But listen, he's saying this to the lukewarm church, the church of Laodicea. That was their thing. That was their issue. That was where they missed it. And he said, to the lukewarm church, I want you to know 
I'm knocking on the door, baby. Like, I'm ready to come in to the lukewarm church and fire you up. That's not probably how I would do it, right? It's probably not how you would do it. You say, I'm looking for the churches that get it, and I'll go there. And these lukewarm churches that don't get it, I'll just forget it or whatever. And that's not what he says. So the beautiful joy of this is here's, here's where you land on a message like this. Don't put any false guilt on yourself. Don't stand up and say, oh, I'm so lukewarm. Maybe you're not, right? Maybe you're not lukewarm. Maybe you're going after it. Maybe you're going, keep growing, right? Keep learning. Be humble. There's something in there about like, yeah, I've got this. I don't need anything. Don't do that, right? Some of you are not lukewarm. That's awesome. Keep going after it. Some of you are wrestling because you realize, man, my life is pretty lukewarm. I've become this very thing that Jesus says he spit me out of his mouth. Like, I don't, I don't want to be that. The incredible promise is if you're, if, you've, if you're getting it right, keep going and give glory to God as you go. And if you're struggling, Jesus is saying specifically to the people struggling in this area, I'm knocking on the door. I'm literally right there. So this is like as open of an invitation for, for good heart stuff as there is. It's heavy. Yeah, it's hard. Yeah, it's serious. But it's not hopeless. It's not hopeless at all. I'm knocking on the door. I'm waiting for you to open it up so that I can bring my presence in. And again, we oftentimes misquote this, talking about how this is Jesus' call to an unsaved world, and Jesus loves people who don't know him, and yes, he wants to come into their life. But specifically here, he's talking to people that know him and saying, we just haven't been together for a while. Wow. So that gives you, that gives you some stuff. That'll move the needle. Will you become a repentance-ready church? I'm going to just give you one last little comment. Last comment is this. I love that idea of readiness, right? Like, what are you ready to do at a moment's notice? That's a great question. I'm not sure if I can fully answer it, but I, I do know this, that like when I'm repentance ready, that's a great place. Like I don't have to dance around, right? I don't have to do, I don't have to become repentance rationalizing. I'm repentance ready. So even in the writing of this message, there were two or three things just this week that the, the Holy Spirit brought to my attention and just said, all right, you're gonna get up and preach this at people. Are, will you be repentance ready? I, I better, Right? I better learn how to do that. I better be willing to grow in that. And it's actually joyful. It's a great joy. You know, I'm, I'm not, I'm not quit rationalizing. I'm gonna quit trying to defend myself and say, hey, Holy Spirit says I gotta get in line. Let's get in line. And all of a sudden, I stop feeling quite as lukewarm. Can anybody say amen to that? I don't know if you've experienced this before. So, I mean, some of you, maybe you feel a strong conviction today, like, oh man, I just got this big load. I've got, I'm carrying this weight, you know, in my heart. And I have been there friends I have been there where oh, I'm carrying this weight in my heart and and you sensing the, the Lord say like you got to give that to me be repentance ready or whatever the interesting thing is I have never done that and regretted it have you do you know what I'm talking about it's like you take that load off and you're just like oh that's better right that's way better get my heart realigned with the heart of Christ that's, that's way better yeah 
So that's the message number one. We want to be a repentance-ready people. Next week, I'm going to talk about what does it mean to be a revival-ready people. We're going to talk about what does it mean to be a harvest-ready people, a return-ready people. I guarantee you, I guarantee you, God's going to move the needle, and he's going to change some things in you and around you, and maybe in spite of you, if you go after these things together. So, hey, why don't you stand up? I want to pray for you. Our worship team is going to lead us in just a moment. But I just, I just want to pray this over you. This is, a, this is one of those opportunities. Don't, don't miss the chance to say, hey, God's calling me to, to do some business with him today. Don't do it for me. Don't do it for people around you. But do that to say, I don't want to be lukewarm. I don't want to be lukewarm. So I am, I'm repentance ready. God, here we go. Show me what's next. Jesus, we love you today. We want to ask you for some help right now. Holy Spirit, thank you that you can answer the question better than we can. Because we have this tendency to be like the, the Laodicean church. So I, I think I've got this figured out. I think I've got it. And then you assess us better than we often assess ourselves. And so would you assess the condition of our hearts? Show us those places, God, where we've been lukewarm. Show us the places that... You want to turn up the temperature. I think you've got some encounters you want to do even here today. I do pray, God, that as we do business with you today, as we meet with you tomorrow, as we go through our week and the various things that you have for us, that that idea of being a repentance-ready person, you just kind of stamp that on our hearts. That's, That's what I'm calling you to. That's what I'm calling you to. Young man, young woman, that's what I'm calling you to. Old man, old woman, that's what I'm calling you to. Become repentance ready. God, your word has a lot to say about that. And we're grateful for it. We just pray that you would teach us how to walk it out better. Lastly, I just want to give uh, the invitation. This is largely a message for the church, right? So this is talking to people who know Jesus, and he's saying, I'm knocking on the door of your heart. Uh, you might be hearing this message and say, I've never, I've never committed my heart and life to Jesus Christ in the first place. Let today be the day of your first repentance to say, God, I'm turning away from doing it my way, and I'm acknowledging my sin, and I'm looking to the finished work of Jesus. And what you often will find is that that invitation for him to come is always met. Like he doesn't, this is the thing, it's kind of amazing that Jesus does not say like, well, just keep, keep working on that and then I'll, I'll come back. He says, I'll come in right here, right here as you are. You know, that, that actually takes more, it takes more humility, right? Because we can't get ourselves kind of cleaned up and presentable first. We just have to come in and say, I'm kind of a mess, you know. And he says, I know, and I love you how you are. So I I pray, God, that there would be just seeds of deep uh, repentance, new life springing up, uh, Holy Spirit work among us. Uh, Cause us not to be ashamed of of being a repentance-ready people um, because you've got great things for those who are. I just believe that's true. Um, Thank you, Lord. We love you pray this in the name of Jesus. Everybody said, amen. Why don't we lift up Jesus' name together in in song one last time.